Message time here at Elevating Life Church. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for wisdom, especially about being respectful and considerate to all of life. Praise you for giving us the ability to to be thoughtful and sensitive towards others and ourselves. We say sorry for being careless with our thoughts and our desires. We ask for a divine understanding through your Son to manage, to steward our lives, our thought lives, our attitudes, everything, Lord, and attain, to attain a holy life through you. And it is through your Son we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, good morning. It is good to see you out. I've already seen you once, so I know how pretty you are already. Uh, and it is. It's good to be with you uh, on this beautiful De- uh, December Sunday morning. It is beautiful. I'm looking forward. I hear we have some snow coming, uh, so I'm looking forward to that, especially in this time of year. It always brings that ex- extra, uh, you know, uh, thing needed to to just make this time special. So looking forward to uh, the snow coming in this next week. All right. Uh, I hope you are doing well today. Uh, today we're going to do something different. We're going to be in the book of Jude. That's the second to last book in the Bible. We're going to be in the book of Jude for the entire message. And the book of Jude, of course, continues our year's theme, and we're wrapping up our year's theme, understanding the Bible, God's epic story. Now, as you're getting there, I hope you will get there. Uh, And for those who may be wondering who I am, uh, my name is Drake. I am one of the pastors here uh, at the church. And uh, let me just say thank you guests for being here, our attendees, and of course our membership, uh, be it here or uh, over the social media platform. It is truly good. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, before I jump into the message, though, I've been reminded to uh, make a, just a small invite or to a um, small announcement uh, to uh, our Christmas party that we're having on December 23rd. Uh, Sherry and I host a annual Christmas party at our home. Uh, this is not just our party; it also is the pastoral staff's party for our our uh, our community, for our church. So I want to just put a special invite today uh, to come on out. It's an open house, but we have some games. Uh, John's going to do some music, uh, do a little devotion on the twelve days of Christmas. Uh, And come on out, and uh, it's just a good time. A white elephant gift is part of that, and all those details you can find out from my wife. Uh, And so uh, let me just uh, just invite you, a special invite from me to you. Uh, That's December 23rd at 6 p.m. to uh, 6 a.m. Somebody said, I don't know, it could be. That's what happens sometimes. Uh, But at my home. Uh, and uh, just uh, we do this uh, out of appreciation and our love because we just appreciate you. And, and we just want to spend uh, a joyous time with uh, uh, our, our, of course, our biological family, but our church family as well. So you are invited. So with that, let's get into our message this morning. Now, today, again, we are going to um, do something different. We're going to look at the, the book of Jude. Now, don't let that scare you because it sounds like we're going to take the next four or five hours to, to really get into the study. The book of Jude is only 461 words long. 
So it's shorter than the devotions you get on Mondays and Sundays from me. <laughs> okay? So don't be too concerned about that. But we're going to look at it together uh, and just allow the Word of God to, to speak for itself. Now, if you've been here with us throughout this entire year, you understand uh, the systematic or disciplined way we've been presenting the books in the Bibles to get a bigger picture. And I need you to hear that because there's too many Christians falling into the details. They want the details. I need more details. They're very inductive, or excuse me, deductive in the reasoning. I want to know what that detail means. But understand, when that happens, readers, studiers, this is what's happening. You're going to push water uphill. Are you with me? Rather than going where God is and allow it to flow downhill naturally. Now why so many people in the Christian faith have a difficult time understanding the Bible. They're pushing everything uphill. They stop when I use a word that they don't know. I don't know what that thing about. And you don't get the bigger picture. And oftentimes you walk away without understanding the gist, the lesson. Don't worry about how you've been conditioned by our education system in the deductive reasoning process. What we need to learn is we need to turn everything upside down and be inductive and get to the bigger picture. Who's with me? And that's what we're going to see today in the book of Jude. And it's so powerful because once we can work our way downhill, you won't burn out. Who's with me in the faith? I need some feedback because this is a challenge in our day and age, yes? Anybody having a difficult time not here, but do you know anybody that just, I don't get it? Come to the experts. Come to the water. Okay? And if you know, now I've, we got a little bit of criticism this year because they want to go into the Bible details. No, we are giving you the bigger picture week after week, intentionally to hopefully that you'll catch it and allow it to be part of who you are, not only in your reading, but in your studies and your understanding so you can gain wisdom. Who's with me? We're, we're doing this intentionally. So we need the bigger picture of God's epic story with us amid His reality, not the world's. So hopefully where we sit today, our people and, and or we can say Christians understand we are to build our lives on the holiest faith. That word holy, integrity. Holiest faith derived from the culture. Society. Family. Am I missing something here? Oh yeah. Derived from the good news of Jesus. Who's with me? Jesus is priority. He is the one who directs us, aligns us, and moves us forward to experience God's love and understanding. Or better yet, God's care and His work. Or better yet, God's right, ultimate agape love and His justice. Do you think we need some justice in our world today? God's justice I love, I was part of the law enforcement agency. I'm still a, a lifetime peace officer. I'm a world, or world, all time, what does they call that? Uh, lifetime, yeah, thanks, Johnny. I needed some interpretation there. Uh, lifetime member of the Peace Association, law enforcement, justice. But I hope you understand I'm not talking about man's justice. Deb, I know you're with me on this one. <laughs> 
works in the court system. We're talking about God's justice. It's about God's love and His justice. God's love and great commandment and His mission, commission working together. And we're moving forward through Jesus. Not through tradition of the culture, not through tribes, not through society, not through preferences, through Jesus. Did I make that clear, John? I think so. Are you with me? Receive that today out of love and justice. Prayer, and let me say this, prayer and obedience to God's principles, uh, that's His laws, His teachings, His way. Obedience to His principles when we're making choices, that's moral choices. Obedience to His character and to the performance or the behavior of that make the faith real and relevant. Are you with me? I hope you're with me. Real and relevant to God and accountable uh, to like-minded people in the wholeness and the integrity of what this is. Growing in the faith and making a significant impact in the place God has given them us to do. So much so we're willing to spend much money on camels to draw people in because we can tell them about Jesus. We're going to do what it takes, right? Relevancy. Now let me say when Christians, raise your hand if you're a Christian. Shake your hand like this just to wake yourself up if you've fallen asleep. Let me say when Christians pray and are obedient through the teachings of the Bible, through the redeeming character of of reality and, and your own personal life, character, redeeming character of Christ, then let me say this before we jump into the book here. There are certain mega character traits uh, or mature habits of Christ that when somebody is totally in this, committed and engaged and invested, there are certain habits in their life that become so real. Habits of Christ, we call them. And, and, and then those habits become who that person is and is the God identity within them. Some of those virtues I'm talking about, just to make a transition here, some of those virtues or habits or holy traits are thoughtfulness. Another one is enthusiasm. A big one that I have to echo today is broad-mindedness. Open-mindedness is a mega-character trait of a Christian, of a religious person, is closed-mindedness. Who's with me? The difference is this. You might be as broad. Go where God is, but make sure you're anchored in Jesus to have the responsibility you need to make the truth of that reality today. Religious people, please hear me, on the platform today, are closed-minded. They have their own little tribe, their own little culture, their own little family, their own, and they just get tighter and tighter in that religious experience. With all of those traits that I just mentioned, let me mention the, one of the grandest traits a person can have and is the evidence if they are a mature Christian or not. I said thoughtfulness and enthusiasm and open-mindedness. But you know what that one, one mega character trait is to show somebody's maturity? The mega trait of consideration. 
consideration. Not just for their own selfish little caves that they live in, but for the plan of God. The question I have and the question that Jude is going to be presenting in this Scripture is, are you a considerate person in the Lord? Or are you considerate when somebody else is considerate to you? Not a golden rule we live by, but the glass rule. Are you a considerate person in the Lord? That is our question for today. And I don't want you to think of your neighbor. I want you to think of you right now. Because we need to engineer this properly and get it into who we are. So the infrastructure of who we are and the personhood of how we've been created and how we're living with God and others is solid and mature. Are you a considerate person in the Lord? Not based on society's definition or what the expectation of this world is when it comes to consideration. I'm speaking and Jude is talking about consideration in the Lord. Are you 100% sold out? Or are you like most? You're just a sliver of the pie. Or your spiritual life or your religious life is just a sliver of who you are and not the whole of who you are. Who's with me? Are you a considerate person? With that, join me as we read the book of Jude together to answer that question to see if we're considerate or not. As a person and or as a church and or family, community, whatever. The book of Jude. Just to set it up a little bit. Jude. A.K.A. Judah, if you follow Hebrew and Greek, is the little brother of Jesus. Along with another brother named James, also known as Jacob. It's quite interesting, John. Jesus had four younger brothers, siblings, half-brothers. All of them never ever followed Jesus prior to his death. Could you imagine your older brother being Jesus? And in this time period that you live, I'm an older brother, I get this. Can, can, you, can you imagine? You know what my thought would be? Who's this guy think he is? Who does he think he's all that in a bag, bag of grasshoppers with pomegranate juice, whatever it was, on the side? They didn't follow Jesus. Joseph didn't, Jacob didn't, Simon didn't, nor did Jude or Judah. None of them. But when they saw their bigger brother, they witnessed that. I could just imagine they looked at each other and go, oh, he is all that in a bag of Doritos with Mountain Dew on the side. And they got in. And this letter was written anywhere between, they say 50 years after the death of Christ, or 110. So they always say 70. But I want you to think about that for a second. And um, 70 years. Now, if it's 110, go, let's think about that. I want you, in your imagination, to go back 100 years. Right now. What year was that? 1922. Some of you guys are just graduating high school then? No, I didn't say that. 
Just you. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't think we put ourselves in, in the audience's shoes, you know, where they're at or who Jude or whoever the author's talking to. And we can't, we can't even, they can't imagine just like we can. We can. Uh, we can interpret that. Some say it's good, the Roaring Twenties, right? Some say the Twenties, and oh, here comes you know the Great Depression. But can you imagine? This is their reality, but just like us. And of course, the funny part is most of them are like, "Oh, those were the good old days." Uh-uh. <laughs> Wrong answer. Those were the end times, by the way. We're going to see what Jude means. We get everything interpreted backwards, don't we? Check this out. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. We know who that is now. To those who have been called. Ring, ring, ring. Hey, Ron, how you doing? This is Jesus calling you? Have been called. Sorry to pick on you, sir. You're in my sight. Who are loved in God, who are loved in God the Father. That's His principles. They make choices with His principles. And kept, maintained, good stewards for Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, here's talking to the audience. If you care, you're going to listen here. What's needed for consideration. May mercy, you're guilty. But we're going to use mercy, an aspect of God's love. Peace and love be yours in abundance. He's, he's setting something up. Then he goes and says this. Check this out. He goes, dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I need to pause here because I'm a preacher. Every week I want to come here and say, you know what? Let's talk about the glorification of God. Let's talk about the justification of God. Let's talk about the uh, sanctification of God. That's what we should be doing every Sunday. However, look at what Jude is doing here. Jude is doing this. He goes, ah, I want to write to you about the salvation we share. However, we got a problem. Do you see it? Here he says, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend. Give me another word for contend. Fight. Not sit in just the chairs and do nothing, but fight for this good news, this good fight. You've got a lot of people fighting the bad fight, and it's, it's not good. So he's talking about the good fight of Jesus Christ. I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. That word holy means to integrate the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, God's way, into your reality so that then you are pointed north and then you're going to work that and through the salvation of God. And there's a lot to that, of course, but uh, very little at the same time if you understand just I'm going to accept His way. But holiness is the integration of God's ministry. God with us. Integration. Another word for that is integrity. Let me ask, do you have the integrity and consideration in the Lord? Are you influenced by everything but? Don't feel this way. 
my mood, my attitude is telling me this? Or are you truly influenced by the principles of God and making decisions? It's so radically important. Why is it so radically important? Because what's the next book coming up? Revelation. Jude is getting our attention. But he's getting our attention not to the end of the world, folks. Sorry. He's getting our attention to the end times of putting your ways, your feelings, your attitude, your choices, your, uh, you know, your uh, talents, your thoughts, your, and I can name them off, to put those behind you. Let that be the end times of who you are and get into the Lord who's with me. Now I'm speaking to the church too because this is so well needed. Who would agree with me with uh, what they've read in the newspaper in the last week and with politics and everything that we've got to get those end, it's got to be end times, done. Because there's a new life coming. Right? We misinterpret this so wrong. And let me say this, religious people are doing that. And we've got to get the perspective and or principles of God in our imagination so that we see Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and the last chapter in Revelation so that then we are moving properly. We have the right direction. We're aligning all of those things I just mentioned. And we are moving forward in the new life. End times are behind us. That's the blessing of the Lord. Guess what? For those who are evil or cursed, living in God's curse, their evil way is going to catch up with them. We're going to see that here. For certain individuals now, whose condemnation was written uh, in... I closed my Bible, so that's, I'll put that over here. For certain individuals... I'm going to open the Bible through the means of technology here. For certain individuals who can, who, whose condemnation... Don't you love people when they condemn you? There's nobody condemning you or us or the church at all, no. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. <gasps> people have slipped in. These religious people. Don't do this, but uh, are you a religious person? Don't raise your hand. Because we're looking for spiritual people. Not looking for somebody who has a, a, a pie chart in their life and it's just part of their life. That's a religious person. We're looking for people that understand all, that their spiritual life encompasses all things. If that's not you, this message is for you. If it's you, this message is for you. written about a long time ago, slipped in among you, they are ungodly people who pervert. Now, pervert means they misinterpret the Word of God. A lot of uh, cussing. Cussing is language. It's, it's not good. It's inconsiderate in the sense of society and all that. But that's not what this is talking about. It's those who say this. Well, that's what the Word of God means to me. They pervert. They're selfish. Can you imagine any more selfish interpretation than this is what it means to me? Wow. First. Ooh, there's some evil people that slipped into the church. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace, 
and that's grace and knowledge of our God, into a license for immorality. They're making choices towards death, not life, and deny Jesus Christ's character, uh, His teachings, deny Jesus Christ, not only in their teaching, but in their actions. The only person that we ought to be following when it comes to redeeming our character is Jesus Christ. Not mommy and daddy, not family, first and foremost. We want that. We want to find those people, but they are not the first. They're broken. We first and foremost have to follow Jesus Christ or we'll miss the mark every time. And the church needs to grow up in that. And we're too scared to tell our parents or tell whoever that no, we, that's not our priority anymore. Our priority is developing the commands of Christ and making sure that I'm getting to a place that I can learn them. That's my priority. The church is my pattern. Rather than the church and Jesus being a variable in your life. We've got to make... Why am I so serious? Because Revelation is next. We've got to get this. If you're breathing, you've got to get this. And he goes on to say this. Though you already all know this. How many of you raise your hand that you know there's some evil people attending church? Not our church, but just people that come in. <laughs> raise your hand if you know that. <laughs> yep. Don't you think for a second that everybody sitting around you is, oh, they're all good people. Uh-uh. <laughs> We're going to see who these people are, and this is really concerning. I want to remind you that the Lord, now He's going to give us a history lesson here. Uh, I want to remind you that the people at one time delivered His people out of Egypt, the book of Exodus, but later destroyed those people, God's people who would not. In fact, most of those people were not living, right? And they never made it in the promised land. Two did. Two among them, if you know the story of Exodus. But later destroyed those who did not believe appropriately or considerate. They're not considerate, considerate in the Lord. He goes on to say this in verse 6, and the angels, that's just the messengers of God, and yes, that could be a person in the sense of what we see in the book of Revelation, or Michael the archangel, or uh, the, you know, many different angels. And the angels who did not keep their position. Stay focused on Jesus and, and God of authority, but abandon their proper dwelling. They didn't study about it anymore. They just did it based on, this is what it means to me. These He has kept, these people in darkness. Anybody know a Christian that just continues to get darker and darker and darker and more? It's not because of the world. Quit blaming the world. we got to get control back and be considerate in the Lord. Take responsibility and grow up. Who's with me? Bound. These people are bound with everlasting darkness and chains and for, ju for the judgment day. That's the curse. And he goes on and he starts identifying these people. It gets quite uh, uh, specific. Uh, in a similar way, check this out. Actually, he's going to call out the communities here. He called out God's people. He called out God's messengers. Now he's going to call, uh, call out, generally speaking, uh, the, the nations and the towns and all that. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to what? Sexual, that, that means their lust. Now, I know people get picked on with the sexual you know, aspect here, but do you know anybody who's um, very lustful with their shopping? Or have uh, out-of-control desires when it comes to even who they are and the vanity of who they are? We're not just talking about one class of people here. We're talking with people that are out of control with their desires. The character of Jesus is not controlling or managing them or getting them to move forward. 
It's the tribe or it's the culture or it's the society doing it, not Jesus. That's who he's talking about with how they make choices. They're not considerate in the Lord and most of the time they're not considerate to the people that they're with. These are the people that have a a focus more of time. I know I'm going over a little bit of time today. These are the people that live by a very legalistic reality. And Jude knew, knew this. We know this. Those people that are inconsiderate in the Lord. They, those people and messengers and communities, they serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal life. And one of those punishments is it's so sad. It doesn't matter what generation. I just want to die. I hope it's over. That's, that's the punishment. I, just, I wish this was over. I did my part. I'm done. Who suffered the punishment of eternal fire. That's eternal isolation, by the way. Don't look as a cute little guy with the pitchfork and all that. In the, same, in the very same way on uh, the strength of the dreams, these ungodly people polluted their own bodies. This just means they have desires and stuff, they don't know how to feel good, so they put things in their body. Food, needles, substances. Things they ought not to be looking at to satisfy their own feelings and attitude and choices. Jude is calling out these people in the church who have a philosophy, a, the, uh, a, a biblical, they have a biblical understanding. And understand this, Jude is not calling out, uh, he's calling out the teachers in the church, but it's not calling out their, their uh, authority in the sense of understanding and believing the Bible. There are theories in it. They're calling out their actions because their actions are not lining up with the theory of God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they are inconsiderate in the Lord. He's calling them out. It's the line in the sand. These ungodly people pollute their own body. That's how they feed their spiritual need rather than truly understanding truly understanding how to feed themselves with God's principles and manage their life with God's character, Jesus' character, and perform in a way that's going to be not only considerate to God, but considered to others while they're considering themselves. Are you with me? This, I know, is a straightforward message. Next week, the book of Revelation. Those ungodly people polluted their own body, reject authority, and heaped abuse on these celestial beings, and celestial beings mean those that carry the truth, be it a human being and or those things that uh, are seen through nature and history and design. Celestial beings. They, they, they cast harmful words at them. They sit at their favorite restaurant or at the watering tank, and they abuse those that have the truth. And the only thing that comes to mind here, John, is blessed are those who are persecuted in the Lord. And he goes on to say this, uh, but even the archangel, the, the messenger most people know, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn or, or slander him for slander. Anybody slander? He's not there to degrade the 
devil's character. Watch out for the people in the church that gossip and slander. They're all over the place, as Jude says. Did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, now check this out. He says, the Lord rebuke you. The truth. We'll let the Lord be the defense, and we're going to be the offense in this. The Lord's army. He goes on to say, yet these people slander. These people now in the church slander. You know, I've been to a lot of people's house for dinner, and I've never ever been to their house once. They just have me for dinner. Or you, or me, or the truth. Whatever they, they slander, whatever they don't understand. There's people here now going probably, I, I don't know, listening. I don't understand this. I really don't care. I, in the time of this, I wish you'd just shut up. Because they don't understand and they refuse to listen. That's the curse of the Lord. And the very thing they do understand by instinct, my feelings, my attitude, my makeup, my performance, what they understand by instinct as, what does it say? Irrational animals do. Evolution! Ta-da! Are you listening? Because there's a lot of people that want to listen to the instinct of who they are. And does the Bible not say when you think that way, nothing comes about? We don't listen to the proper authorities. We listen to everybody but. Because they have a doctor in front of their name. Or a PhD. Or whatever. Hey, they're smart people. But it's never the credentials that qualifies somebody. It's always the outcome. Let that be your discerning factor when it comes to what you do and the choices you make. Jesus didn't have doctor or PhD on it either side. The outcome speaks for it itself. But those who are going to continue in this, understand in their way and ask questions towards the world and or respect nothing, nothing will come about it. Woe to them. I think you could get that. This is where I'm working up to. Woe to them. Book of Isaiah. They have taken the way of Cain. He's calling out people by name now. Notice the general people, messengers, and communities. Now he's going, let's be deductive. That was inductive. Let's be deductive. Cain. I wonder if I called out somebody how that would look today. In our history too. They have taken the way of Cain. What did Cain do? Killed his brother. How do we do that as Christians today? We slander, we gossip, we destroy people with our words and in our conversations behind closed doors. They take the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit. That means money is their highest or wealth is their highest, rather than the goodness of God's design. They're not considered to God, they're considered to wealth. And that wealth can be abundance of people or money in the bank. That's their priority. Look at what it says. It says a prophet into Balaam's error. Another error is that uh, Balaam wasn't, Balaam is Balaam and the donkey in the book of uh, Numbers. You know the story, Balaam and, and the donkey? It's, it's humorous, especially with donkeys. It'd be really good to go read. 
Um, but he, his error was like Judas. He, he, Balaam made it through, but what happened to Judas? Same sin, same error. Death, because they continued to do it. He, he suicide. Do you think we have an issue with suicide today? I'm calling it out, folks. Jude did, because the end times are coming for you if you live in the curse. And then they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Korah is a priest in the Israelite uh, days of the 12 tribes. He was a preacher. He was a teacher. He believed it, but he didn't live it. He was, we would consider a Christian today, a messenger of God. He was not considerate in the, in, in the actions or the ways. Kept, kept falling into his own likings. I'm going to wrap it up here. So with this, I think you get the point. And we go all the way, keep going a little further. He just goes and elevates this. These people are blemishes. And go to the next one. Twice dead. They are wild waves. Chaotic lives. Foaming up with shame. You ever talk to somebody, all they can do is guilt uh, and uh, use shame and, and bitterness in their communication. That's what that means. Chaotic in their ways, in their communication, what they do. Foaming up in their shame. That's the world's shame. Wandering stars. Oh, they got all kinds of talent. They're going to come and save the world. Nope. They're shooting stars. People come in with their talents all the time. Good for you. But if you fit in this category, bye-bye. don't care how well you do something. If it's not in the Lord, in our church from this day forward, it's bye-bye. For whom blackest... Now this is, it seems almost evil, but it's the curse of God that we see in the fall in Genesis 3. For whom uh, blackest darkness, darkest isolation, despair, depression, and finally death has been reserved forever. So it hasn't changed in our day and age. It's the same. It goes on to say, let's continue. Enoch, and then gets to uh, verse 15. And uh, to judge everyone, we know this. You know the story. It goes on to 16. <clears throat> Walk through me because I just don't have time to go through this. Let's pause here. These people are grumblers, mumblers. And I got a word I can't use in the church. Uh, these people are grumblers and fault finders. These are the people that walk away from church or whatever and they point out uh, the error. Somebody will say today, that's supposed to be the peace candle, not the joy candle today. That's who I'm talking to. Somebody will point that out and go, well, what's the point of Advent? Advent. Well, in our tradition, it's always the joy or the peace candle first. Somebody will do it. Fault finders, rather than listening to to the lesson of God. Problem finders. Not the problem of people, folks. The purpose of God. Next verse. But dear friends, now remember this. Let's soften the tone now. What the, apostle, uh, the apostles of our Lord and Jesus Christ foretold. He said this. They said to you, in the last times, okay, especially in the, in the church or in your life, in the last times of all of that, these there will be scoffers, don't worry about it, who will follow their own ungodly desires. They're going to do that. He goes on to say this, these are the people who divide you, who follow mere instincts, animal instincts. 
and do not have capital S, Spirit. They live in part, but do not live in the commitment, in the purity, in the humility, and in the goodness of this. It leaves with them when they leave the church, or leaves the discussion, or leaves the reality. Capital S, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I got to know God's principles. I got to learn the character of Jesus. And I got to perform in a way that's going to honor God the Father, people, and me, and to be considerate. And then, from here, and I'm done. From here. Hear this. The call to action. Jude, in the next few words, gives a call to action. Folks, we need to stop hearing this. And it does break my heart a little bit that today that the, the church is empty. No, you're here. But there should be 300 people thriving for this so we can make a difference together in the integrity of the Lord. But we're influenced by all of those serpents now to bring it all together. And we are influenced because we don't want to upset our family. We don't want to upset culture. We don't want to upset society. Rather than being standing together as the army of the Lord in the new beginning that we're going to see next week in the book of Revelation. Allow this day, if you're listening, to be the end time. The old life. The end times. That's eschatology. The end times. And join us. And let's get into a new life. That's Jude's words. That's his calling. And then he wraps it up by saying, Amen. Church, that's the message. That's what it looks like with God and us when you bring us all together in the theme that we've been giving you, not just to tickle your ears, but to make decisions. Not in a religious sense, but in a world, in a reality that encompasses not only your life, but all of our life. In the name of Jesus. Amen.